Okay, great. Well, good morning. Um, as you've heard, my name's Naomi, and, um, and I work at St. Mary's. I head up our ministry with college students. And, uh, and brought some, a sample of our finest college students with me this week to uh, River City Church. And we've had the most amazing, amazing week, let me tell you. Um, I, I bring you lots and lots of love from London and uh, lots and lots of love from St. Mary's Church. We really love you guys. That are, um, We pray for you a lot. We talk about you a lot. Um, so I bring you loads of love from there. And I want to say a huge, huge thank you. A huge, huge thank you for having us this week. We have had the most incredible week. Um, we've been down at Hollybrook and been helping out with the VBS, and it's been an outstanding week. Um, we've, we've loved serving alongside you. It's been a real privilege. And, and actually, let me tell you that each one of the team has been on um, a journey this week um, of what God has been saying to us, how he's been challenging us, and what he's been doing in our lives. And you guys have been a big part of that, the conversations we've had with you. And the, the lives that we've kind of um, witnessed uh, and just the way you've been with us. And we've really loved that. So thank you so much. So recently I did something that I'm um, fairly pleased about. Um, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. Um, I want you to celebrate with me when I tell you that two months ago I ran the London Marathon. Yeah, yeah. Now... The fact is that most of you don't know me, so you don't actually know that that's a big deal for me, okay? So I've never run in my life. Didn't do any running, didn't do any sports. In fact, the only time I can remember running was when I was a teenager, and I decided I was going to get fit, okay? So I went out for a jog, put my trainers on, or my sneakers, whatever you call them, and I went out for a run, and, um, and I got halfway down my road, and I spotted a guy that was in my school. I was like... How embarrassing. There's just no way that he's going to see me run. So I like totally stopped running, pretended I was just out for a stroll. Great. Just walked along the road. So I never ran again, ever, because I was just too embarrassed. But weirdly, I always had this dream that I wanted to do the London Marathon. And, then, and it was always a thing in our family, okay? So every year, the London Marathon happens in April. And every year, without fail, my mum, my sister and I would get up on the Sunday morning when it was marathon day. We'd still be in our pyjamas, we'd get our breakfast, we'd get a whole massive armful load of snacks ready to take us through the morning, and we'd sit there in front of the TV, eating our food and watching the marathon. (laughs) They are amazing, look at that, they're so sporty, look at them, they're incredible, you know? Totally, totally not getting the irony that we were like sitting there, you know, eating all this food. Anyway, always had this dream that I wanted to do it, And, um, and this year I did. So let me set the scene for you, in case you don't know anything about the marathon. Happens every year in April... And the deal is that you run 26.2 miles right through the streets of London, through some of the coolest sites. So you go, you run across Tower Bridge, you run around the Tower of London, past the London Eye, past the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben, and you finish up at Buckingham Palace. Absolutely incredible. Um, the marathon's been going since 1981, and in those, in those years, £200 million has been raised for charity, because most of the people that run raise money for charity. Um, and loads of them do it with, um, like, a picture or a name on their front or back, like, you know, that they're running in memory of someone or, you know, f- for someone who's been through a hard time, whatever it is. So there's all those stories attached to it as well. And, um, and a, a close to a million people line the streets of London and watch it and cheer all the runners on every year. And it's, and it's broadcast to, like, 60 countries around, uh, around the world. So it's a big deal. 35,000 people ran this year, and I was one of them. And, um, but it's really weird because you do all the training, 
And all that, seriously, months of training I had to put in. Um, all the training, and then eventually you get up on one day, it's actually marathon day, and you actually have to go and run 26.2 miles, and you're like, what am I doing? Um, so, so I got up on marathon day, and I put the, um, the timer chip they'd given me on my shoe, and that was going to... Um, time, my exact marathon time. And, and even that's cool, because they call it a championship. That's good, isn't it? Before you've even crossed the start line, championship. And so I had that on my shoe, and I put my running vest on, which had my name on it, because I was told that if you put your name on your running vest, and then all the people in the crowds will shout for you, and they'll shout your name. I was like, I'm going to need some of that. Put my running vest on, have my name on it. And, um, and then I set off, 26.2 miles stretching out ahead of me. And there were all sorts of people shouting my name that day. It was incredible, absolutely incredible. And I'll be honest with you and tell you that the whole marathon thing was a very emotional experience for me. Um, Not necessarily on the day, but like leading up to it, I think because it was such a dream of mine I'd always had, even thinking about it, made me cry my eyes out. It was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I was a wreck. So like, I went to the London Marathon store in Covent Garden to buy my trainers that I was going to do all my training in and I was actually going to run the marathon in. And I had a magazine, um, the marathon magazine, whilst I was on the tube on the way there, reading it about how to choose the right trainers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not joking, I'm sitting on the tube reading this article and I burst into tears. It's just really embarrassing. Anyway, on the actual day, the only time that I cried was about 100 metres over the start line. I was running with my sister, because she did the marathon as well. And we were running side by side. And the first person that shouted my sister's name, I was like, oh my goodness. He sh- he'd never seen her before in his life, but he shouted her name. He was like, go Zoe. And I, was like, I looked at her and I was like, like they said it would happen and it did and I gave her the hugest hug and then he obviously saw what an effect it had on me so he was like oh go Naomi and I was like oh my goodness I totally totally lost it my sister was like you're gonna have to pull yourself together here okay we've got 26 miles to run so I pulled myself together and I got it and loads of other people were shouting my name I'd never seen them before in my life and and after a while I just kind of thought you know I'm just going to conserve my energy and not really respond to them because otherwise this is going to be ridiculous. And, and actually, as we went along, I noticed that, you know, those people would shout my name, but then soon enough they were shouting someone else's name and they wouldn't even, you know, sometimes I'd look up because I hear my name and they were already looking at someone else. You know, it wasn't that much of a big deal. But there was a massive, massive difference when it was someone that I knew in the crowd that was shouting for me. So I had a whole load of uh, family and friends that I'd placed strategically at different points around the crowd so that I knew I'd get some encouragement on the way. And let me tell you, the difference was huge in the people shouting for me who'd never met me before and the people who knew me. The people who knew me shouted with such an urgency Like, they were just not going to stop shouting until I recognised them, until I responded to them, until I acknowledged it. But shouting like their lives depended on it. Like, they knew I needed that encouragement. In actual fact, it was my life that pretty much depended on hearing them because I needed that encouragement to keep going. But when I knew someone and they shouted with such urgency, that was the cry that I responded to. Because those people didn't see me as just another runner. Those people, my family and friends, knew all the months of training it had taken to get me to that point. They knew the dream that I was, I was fulfilling. They knew the little bits about me that, you know, made it 
difficult to run or, you know, the little things that are personal to each of us. They knew all of that stuff. They knew my story. They absolutely knew me. And that's the, that's the call that I responded to. And in this life, we will hear all sorts of different voices calling us to different things. The voices of, of friends saying, come and try this. Or the voices of religion saying, try this. But the bottom line is this. God is the one who made you. And he knows you inside out better than anyone else knows you. And his is the cry to respond to. God is calling for you urgently. God is calling for us urgently. And his is the voice to respond to. And if I've learned anything in this life so far, it's to listen for and respond to the voice of God above any other voice. The Bible says this about Jesus in John 10. He calls his own by name and leads them out. They follow him because they know his voice. I love that bit. And actually, when you, when you look into it, Palestinian shepherds at that time, um, when they said that, Palestinian shepherds would lead their sheep by going ahead of them and calling them. Like you can imagine that some shepherds go behind their sheep and like kind of drive them forward. Well, actually, at this time, Palestinian shepherds in that area, they would go ahead of their sheep they, and they would just call for their sheep and the sheep would follow because they knew their voice. And that's the picture we're given of Jesus. We're given this picture that he goes ahead of us through life and he calls us and he draws us and we're simply to follow his voice. And all this other stuff's going along around the sides, you know, all this other stuff is happening and we're hearing all this other stuff and his is the voice that we're to follow and he is calling for us urgently because he knows us and he loves us and he wants us to be with him. Now, here's the advantage I've got this morning. Most of you don't know me and I don't know most of you, so I can say what I want because I'm leaving the country tomorrow. (laughs) And here's the thing, okay, I, I don't know you, so I don't know where you're at. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give it to you straight. The bottom line is this. God absolutely loves you more than you can imagine. And he made you. And you're not an accident. It's not an accident that you were born. And it's not an accident that you're here this morning. He made you to be in relationship with him. And above the cry of things that your friends are trying to get you into, above the cry of the media, above the cry, probably most importantly, of the hurt that you may have been through in life, God is calling urgently for you. And his is the voice to respond to. His is the voice to respond to. He is looking for your response this morning. And and I don't know whether this is going to be a first-time response for you, that you're going to need to say, okay, God, I I give you my life. Yeah, I want to know you. Or maybe it's going to be, you've you've done that a long time ago, and you're okay, and you're doing life with him, and that's fantastic. But let me tell you, the way that God is, his character, is that he is always calling us. He's always drawing us on to the next thing. So there's always going to be the next thing that you can do, the next kind of level of intimacy that you can go to with God. Interestingly, when, when I had my family and friends placed around the marathon course, um, for some reason, when I saw my dad, he was at two different places. The first time I saw my dad, I ran past, didn't think I'd have energy to say anything or even lift my arm to wave. And I just shouted at the top of my lungs, I love you, Dad! Maybe that's how you want to respond this morning. You know, our Heavenly Father is there. And just say to him, just go, yes. 
whatever it is that's the next thing you've got for me. I hear you calling me and I'm just saying yes to it. I'm just offering myself up. So he continues to call for us. God is urgently calling for you this morning. And I guess my first challenge is this. What's the next step that you need to take with God or towards God? It's going to be different for all of us. We just need to think about that in our own hearts. But he's urgently calling. Here's the voice to respond to. What is the next step you need to take towards him or that you need to take with him? It's his nature. He's constantly calling. He's constantly drawing us out. God is urgently calling for you. What is your next step towards him? Okay, so I had people cheering me on in the marathon, and that was great. But I also needed something inside of me that was kind of going to get me through it as well. Um, And I did um, a whole load of reading before the marathon. I really kind of immersed myself in this marathon dream, and I did a whole load of reading about it. And one of the things that's supposed to get you around are, are mental techniques, so I had, um, I had some mental techniques, that, um, things that I was supposed to do in my mind that were going to help me get around the marathon. Now, if you've ever done any kind of sport at that level, you will know that a tiny, tiny percentage of this is about your body. The huge, huge amount is about your mind. It's totally about what goes on in your mind. So, here, so here's the thing, right? I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you and tell you the secret of how it worked. So I had these phrases I was supposed to repeat to myself in my mind all the time I was running around the marathon, okay? Um, slightly embarrassing, but this is what I had to say to myself. I am a marathoner. I love to run. I am a marathoner. I love to run. And I just had to keep saying that to myself all the time in my mind. Now, if you've heard about the marathon, you'll have heard about the wall. Have you heard about that phrase? So it's about when you get to mile like 17, 18, 19, 20, something like that. And they, and they say it's like hitting the wall. Basically, um, it's a physical thing and your muscles don't have enough glycogen in them, something like that. And you just can't keep going. And, um, and I was determined it wasn't going to happen to me, right? So, um, so I just got, you can imagine me now, right? Never run in my life. I've run 19 miles. I've got seven to go. 19, I'm like, 19, 19, right? This is where the wall happens. I am a marathoner. I love to run. I'm a marathoner. I love to run. And I just kept saying it, kept saying it in the hope that I would actually start to feel it. Because that's what they told me. They said, actually, in that situation, your body can't tell the difference between you feeling great and your mind telling your body that you feel great. So I was like, great, I'll have a bit of that. So I just kept saying it, and I kept saying it. And it, honestly, it was true, and it worked. And the more I said, I am a marathoner, I love to run, the more I felt like it. And I kind of embraced that thing of being a marathoner, and I just held my head up high, and I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, and it really, really worked. Because I tell you what, I learned this. Identity forms behavior. Identity forms behavior. Godly identity forms godly behavior. In other words, what we do flows out of who we are. So here's the thing. If you belong to God, you can be absolutely secure in the fact that your identity is that you are a child of God. Above being a parent or a child or whatever your profession is or whatever clothes you like to wear and find identity in, whatever it is, above any of that stuff, your identity, who you are, is that you are a child of God. And I want to encourage us to let our 
actions, our behavior flow out of that identity. And if we totally embrace that and grab hold of it, we will start to act like children of God. The Bible tells us this, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness. We reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness. That's an incredible thing. When we say yes to God, when we come into relationship with him, we're his. That's who we are. And yet there's this thing where we become more and more like him. And as we say, as we every day continually say yes to him, choose his way, we become more and more like him. But it, it stems out of who we are, of, of who we say we are, of who we, who we acknowledge we are in front of everyone who we say, yeah, this is who I am. And then we start to act like it because identity forms behavior. So the starting point is knowing that you are a child of God. Our team have been laughing at me all week because I'm massive about this phrase about being intentional. Interesting that Anthony was saying about it this morning. Um, In fact, they even made up a little rap about me saying be intentional. Because pretty much every morning as we've got in the car to go wherever we're going, I've said to the girls, I've said, I said, right, what are you going to be intentional about this morning? What are you going to be intentional about today? Because we can kind of go through life and you can just float through and like take every day as it comes and, and it'll just kind of, life will just kind of happen and then life will just kind of be over, you know? And I think let's grab it. Let's be intentional. Let's choose the things that we want to be intentional about today. The people we want to speak to, the attitude we want to have, the way we want to be. Let's be intentional about it, you know? Like, we get so much more out of life when we're intentional. So I want to I encourage us to be intentional about this, about deciding where our identity comes from and then how our behavior flows out of that. So here's the second thing. Godly identity forms godly behavior. And the challenge with this one is, what identity does my behavior currently flow out of? Now, probably for a lot of us, we're going to say, yeah, I'm a child of God. That's my identity. Bottom line, that's my identity. But, but actually, what does your behavior flow out of? So say, for example, this past week, what identity has your behavior been flowing out of? The things that you've done and the way that you've acted and stuff. What, what does that say about who you are? A godly identity being rooted being rooted and totally secure in the fact that we are children of God, that we belong to him, that is who we are, and we're proud to say it to anyone. Loving that and being secure in that and embracing that means that a godly behavior, godly actions flow out of that. We're being transformed into his likeness. So I had people cheering me on in the marathon, and I was acknowledging that I was a marathoner, And all that kind of stuff. And I did it. And then eventually, I finished the marathon. Five hours, 11 minutes, and 26 seconds later. And um, and here's the three things that happened as soon as I crossed the finish line at the end of the marathon. The first thing was that someone said to me, you can stop running now. Um, She kind of had to say that because I I was so determined that I wasn't going to hit the wall 
that I started off running really, really slowly, and I just kind of stayed at that pace, thinking, just conserve your energy, conserve your energy, you won't hit the wall. And, and actually, on, on your championship, um, they time your race, and, and they manage to give you like a kind of chart of how your race looks, because they time you every five kilometers. And some people like start really, really high, and their chart goes like this, and then they drift a little bit in the middle, and then they kind of sprint at the end or whatever. Mine, I'm not joking, mine was like this straight line exact straight line it's literally like someone pressed start and I just went like this five hours 11 minutes and 26 seconds later I just had to stop that was literally it so but the thing is my mind wanted to stop I was like okay I really want to stop now because I, I was starving apart from anything I was so so hungry I was like give me some food and I really wanted to stop because it was the end of course I wanted to stop running I've been running for five hours but like it was like I was going automatically my feet were just going like this and I'd gone past the finish line she was like you can stop running you can stop running now stop 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 so that's the first thing that happened second thing that happened was that they took the championship off my shoe so they could um, tell me my official marathon time and the third thing that happened was they gave me my medal and reflecting on that afterwards I just thought what an amazing picture I think of what's going to happen after this life if we belong to Jesus we go to heaven after this life and God is going to welcome us home And I believe that he's going to say something like, you can stop running now. You know, I've seen the stuff you've done for me. I've seen the stuff you've done in my name. I've seen the sacrifices. I've seen the little children that you've spent a week with and and tried to bless. I've I've seen the stuff you've done in my name. I've seen the little sacrifices. I've seen the little stuff you've done that no one else has even seen. I've seen it. You've done it in my name. And I have loved it. And now it's time to just come home. And it's time to rest. And it's time to stop running. And then I believe he's going to welcome us home. And, and like they took that timer chip off my shoe, every kind of way that we are like judged by this world's standards, or like people, people have their opinions of us, or we feel like we have to match up, we feel like we have to prove something, all of that is just going to be taken away. And he's simply going to say, welcome home. It's okay, you're home now. And all that stuff is going to be gone. And then just like when I got this precious, precious medal (laughs) that I just thought I'd bring right across the Atlantic to show you. Um, And I got this and I... Thanks, thanks very much. Janie Cronin was right there with me through this whole marathon, by the way. She was loving it. She was very supportive. But um, just like when I got this medal, like before... Before I started the race, I didn't have this medal. It was only at the end that I got it. But as soon as I applied to and was accepted into the marathon, this medal was there ready for me. It was there waiting. And when I was getting up each morning doing my training runs, this, this medal was sat in some office somewhere waiting to be awarded to me. And I got up on marathon day and I put my trainers on, I put my running vest on, and I started over the starting line. This was waiting there for me at the finish line. And in exactly the same way, like if we're in relationship with Jesus, we haven't yet fully received everything we're going to receive. But it is there waiting for us. It's absolutely there waiting for us. And, and maybe some of you are thinking, like, like what am I doing? Is all this stuff worth it? Is it worth taking a week off work to help with a VBS? 
Is it worth making these little choices that go against the grain of what most people do? Is all this worth it? Well, let me tell you, it's waiting in heaven for you. All the stuff that we've been promised is waiting in heaven for us and is absolutely secure and we haven't yet received it. We haven't yet fully received it, but our place in heaven is secure. And one day you will receive it. And one day God will welcome you home. Paul in the Bible, near the end of his life, he wrote these words to Timothy 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me on that day. And Paul wrote those words in AD 66. He was in prison at the time. And he'd been in prison before, and, it hadn't, and sometimes it hadn't been too hard, but this time he was in prison under Emperor, Emperor Nero, and he was in like a cold dungeon, and in such an obscure place, some of his friends couldn't even find where he was. It was a really, really hard time. And Paul is looking back over 30 years of ministry as an apostle, and he's able to say, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and now... Now I am looking forward to the crown of righteousness that is going to be awarded to me on that day when I am welcomed home and when I meet Jesus. He was looking forward to that crown of righteousness that he was going to be awarded. And I want to encourage you to take, take Paul's words that are kind of echoing down through the centuries to us. Or, or for those of you that were at VBS this week, take the, the look of absolute joy and laughter and happiness and fun that was on the faces of those kids. Take it all as our encouragement to keep going, keep going, keep going. Because one day God will welcome us home. And I want to say to you guys as a church, like, keep going in that vision to, to be a place where people who feel like they've got nowhere else to go can come. Keep going being people who will go and tell little kids that they are more precious than they can ever imagine. And as individuals, keep going and making those little choices every day that no one else sees, but we know they're pleasing to God. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Because one day God will welcome us home. And he will award to us that crown of righteousness. So the final thing is God will welcome you home. What do I need to commit, commit to keep going in? What is that thing that you just, maybe it's a mundane thing and you need to just keep going in it because you know it's the right thing to do. Maybe it's something you've been called to but you've not seen any fruit in it yet. Keep going in it. What is, that, what is that new thing that God is pushing you towards and you just need to keep going for it, that new vision, that new thing, that thing of growth? So God is urgently calling for us this morning. He's waiting for us to respond to him. Whether it's for the first time, for the millionth time, he's calling us on to the next thing. He's calling us on to deeper intimacy with him. What is the next step we need to take towards him? Godly identity informs godly behavior. So what, is, what identity is our behavior flowing out of? And know that God is going to welcome us home. So what is that thing we just need to keep going in until we receive that crown of righteousness?